Calling all creators, welcome to the Creator Landscape Podcast, the podcast that connects you with the most successful creators and industry leaders in the business. And now, please welcome your host, Jake Pearson. Welcome back to the podcast where we explore the creator economy and how you can succeed in it. Our guest today is the founder of Social for the Win, a TikTok consultancy and content development studio, a former TikTok employee, but also a successful creator with over 500,000 followers in their own right. Jacob Wallach, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, Jake. I really appreciate it. Super excited to chat. Oh man, I'm, I'm really pumped. We've been talking a lot off camera, which is probably a bad idea. We should really just hit record as soon as people join in because we get a lot of gold yeah. nuggets. But I wanted to give uh, you a bit of an introduction to the creators listening to this podcast. Like you've got a bit of credibility. You run your own consultancy. You are a former TikTok employee mm-hmm. and you know your stuff because you have been creating and you've got a bit of a following there too like is there anything else you haven't done like like you've got the the good nest of uh information here that we can leverage is did i leave anything out else that is a reserve absolutely not the the only thing i would say too is that you know it's been really great working on the creative side of this business Mm. but even before i was at tiktok i worked in the data space so i used to work for nielsen a big market research firm so, you know, really understanding the nuance between data and creative. And that's just something that I really try to pride myself on in how I've kind of built my name in the business so far. Yeah. What was your role at TikTok, if you don't mind me asking? What were you doing? Yeah, there? absolutely. So I was a client solutions manager. Um, essentially, what I would do is help certain brands understand the platform, develop a strategy, very much in the advertising side of the business. Mm-hmm. So I was there for about two years. Um, I was helping brands like Coca-Cola, Hershey's. Ben and Jerry's, Campbell's, and Mars developed their strategy. So for a long time, my my main client was Mars. So think like Skittles, M and M's, you know, Twix, um, Starburst, Skittles, every every confection brand under the sun. I, I used to call myself the Willy Wonka of TikTok, <laughs> minus the hat can. And trust me, you don't want to see me do a somersault. It's really bad. But um, you know, I was really helping them understand all the nuances to the platform. My the the role was really sell ads sell advertising, build a relationship with the brand. But what I wanted to do was really help them understand how you create really great and engaging content, build a community on these platforms. But at the core, it was how do you develop a really great media buying practice and target the right audience? How do you create really unique concepts on this platform that are native to TikTok, but also applicable to your brand? And finally, who are the right influencers and creators to work with to help you amplify your voice and build out content that you know is essentially created from these concepts that we developed. And that was kind of the core of what I did. And then when did you decide to sort of step out into your own consultancy, leveraging all the skills that you sort of used and built? Yeah. So I've always known that I wanted to start my own company. Um, even mm. when I worked for Nielsen, it was a 40,000 person you know, company. It was huge. And I decided to go to TikTok because I knew it was a little bit smaller. But over time, you know, I, I think the political scene of the company just didn't necessarily work out for me. Um, I felt that, you know, I could probably do a little bit more on my own. I actually went to a startup right after TikTok and the, unfortunately the opportunity didn't really work out how I wanted it to. Um, but I realized that, you know, having this unique experience of being somebody who was in-house and seeing behind the veil of TikTok, but also having been successful as a creator was a unique position. So I, I felt it was the right time. It was the right experience. And at this point in my life, I figured why the hell not? What's the favorite part about running your own show now, you know, working with creators? What, what do you what do you enjoy the most about what you do? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think selfishly, it's not really answering to anybody. That was always my biggest thing in, mm -hmm. in the corporate space. I, you know, I, when I was working in the corporate world, I was always kind of looking for somebody to hitch my wagon to, you know, meet somebody who I thought was incredibly charismatic and intelligent, really understood the industry, but was also very encouraging of my growth. And mm -hmm. I never really found it. And I think for me, one of the biggest things was, well, if nobody's going to do it for me and nobody's going to help me out to that regard, why can't I be that to myself? So I think that's been the biggest thing. I think the hardest part has been like managing my time <clears throat> because it's like I can do whatever I want throughout the entire day. But what do I do that's actually going to be effective and drive real growth opportunity? Um, but I think the biggest thing for me has been like communicating with a lot of other people in the industry um, at agencies, at brands and, and kind of validating a little bit more about what I do and, and that I'm on the right path, which has been really, really helpful. How do you manage your time? Because you, you, you still create content regularly and then do or operate your consultancy and then you're making all these connections, building relationships, sitting on meetings, then going ahead and then connecting with the, the people that you work with inside the consultancy. Like how does your time split look like? Yeah, it's so it's actually really challenging to to make content. Um, mm. You know, one of the things that I preach in my consultancy is consistency. And mm. I think like most people, it's hard to take your own advice. So, you know, for me, for a long time, I was really creating content on a consistent basis. And then I think creator fatigue just kind of took over, right? Like, am I good at Excel? Absolutely. Do I love being in Excel every day? N no, not really. But it was it was a niche that I found that was really interesting, and and I thought I had the experience and the skill set to take a part of it. But in terms of balancing my time, it really has been a majority just building sales opportunities, right? Having these conversations, leveraging them into hopefully you know events, panels, you know, uh, obviously podcast opportunities as well, mm. and just to kind of get my name out there. And that's what I've realized. Like it's a little tough because being Excel Daddy is great. Nobody really know that I that I would nobody really knew that I was him. Mm -hmm. Um but you know, to me it was like it's not I can't leverage Excel Daddy in the same way as other people can leverage their social media accounts in the marketing space. But what I can do is use that as like a really great case study to say, hey, I've done this already. I worked at the company. Let me leverage that as a reason why I can work with certain brands. Um and but it really is like all about the hunt. Like that's what I'm that's what I'm doing right now, hunting for brands, hunting for agencies. And just continuing to build the conversation. Yeah, that's got to be so tough trying to manage the work that you do in a space and then trying to create content. I know because I do a lot of now I'm starting to ramp up my UGC work that mm -hmm. we talked about this before. And for creators uh, that yep. have been listening to this podcast, you've probably heard me start <laughs> to talk about my journey, go through that. And to manage what I do throughout the day as a sort of working in a gym, then to mm -hmm. come home and then create content and consult for brands to then when it comes to creating my, my own content, I'm like, oh, I'm so yeah. de-energy. I'm burnt out. I'm not burnt. I'm just tired. I'm like, it's the end of that. It's the last thing I can think of doing. Like, it, it's, it's not easy trying to balance all that. When you were starting out Excel Daddy and building mm -hmm. that, because you were working sort of for, for other people, did, did you find it was a lot easier to create content? Yeah, it was. I think, you know, and, and I know we haven't really touched upon this, but when I started, I was just so enthusiastic. I was super yeah. passionate about it. Like I put out 70 videos in my first month. Um, yeah. I didn't even care about the quality. I was just like, let's do it. Let's put out content. Let's see what happens. And I had like 10, I got, and I've told you this before, I had like 10,000 followers in two days. I got a hundred thousand in a month. I got 300 or a hundred thousand in a week and 300,000 followers in a month. 
because I had one video get like 5 million views and it just completely blew up. And it was, mm. and I don't know if you've experienced it, but like, I re like from that experience, it was like, I see why social media is so addicting. I see why people go like crave the likes. Like I always hated it, but you know, for me, I think the biggest thing about, about making content is like, can you batch it? Right. Like, is there an opportunity that you can take a day over the weekend or even just like a couple hours and make five, 10 videos for what I do? That's actually really not that hard to do. I think when it's people who are focused more on like relevancy, like people who speak about the news or journalists or anything that's like going on in the industry, it's very hard to batch content if you, if you don't want it, it like, or else it's mm. going to be stale. But what I do is like an Excel creator, you know, the things that I can put out are applicable in any given time, right? Like I've made some videos that were about Apple stock. I've made one or two videos about, um, or I, I don't even know if I like posted them, but I've made some on my end about Holland, you know, and like, uh, like the, the, the soccer player and like, you know, what's going on in the, um, in, in the, in the premier league and, and all that. Cause I thought it was interesting and you can look at the data, but you know, for the most part, if you can batch the content you can get it out great but it's something that you really have to just take an hour get it done wherever it is but kind of what i've heard about people doing at the gym is they go in the very beginning of their day to get it done maybe what you have to do is do that for content yeah and i, I wanted to <laughs> touch on the the addictive part of the social yeah. media and i remember when i first started tiktok i was so I was doing everything I could get to a thousand followers so I could go live. I was like, mm -hmm. I want to go live and talk to an audience and really get my voice yeah. out there. That was it. But then I found this weird, I don't know if it was an exploit or not, but it was, I would post a video and mm -hmm. immediately go live. Yep. And that smashed my view count so mm -hmm. freaking high. I was like, and I still get addicted to that. I was going live every night for hours, posting, yeah. posting the lay on live, whatever. I hit 30,000 followers and I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is real. Social, like I could do something here. And then it tapered and I was like, oh, what's going on? And then I had that one big video sometime last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was like 2 million views, bunch of comments. I was like, this is the worst video I've ever put together. <laughs> Literally a screen recording and yeah. then captions over the screen recording on and poured and just went nuts. So I was like, huh. So yeah. sometimes, yeah, I was like, yeah, I understand. And then to, to this day, I haven't reached any form of glory ever near that hype. And I'm like, yep, it is addictive. It is super powerful. And mm -hmm. I, like, again, it's still hard for me to create as much content. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if I get up, I could probably get up at 4 a.m. and batch content but I'm going to be so tired doing that content anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's like finding that balance for, for the creator really to in their lifestyle, whether or not, you know, you do it one night mm -hmm. earlier in the week, you get home at five o'clock from work and you go and do all your content then and you just pump out five videos, five, six, seven videos or whatever it is. And you can text, can, you know, contextualize your ideas and build yeah. them out over the weekend, just sort of, so, sort of on the side. So then you get to that Monday and then you, you've got mm -hmm. your content there. Like, you're going to find a strategy that works, right? Absolutely. And I, and I think it really depends on, you know, what the style of content you're doing is, yeah. right? Because there, there are people who go out there, right? And they just vlog about their day. And it's easy. You know, it's not hard. Like I know people who, who do like a day in the life, right? And that's a very popular trend on TikTok. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of them just do it like they're holding their camera up and they're just like showing their day, you know, but a lot of people do some very intense video editing for that, right? It, it all depends on the quality of the content that you want. Mm -hmm. and, how much you actually need to put into it. I think a lot of people think I can pick up a phone and do content. And I think we all know that you can't, it's not that easy, but 
you know, if you're in a if you're in a niche or the content that you make is easier to do and you can just put up a green screen and an image and talk and you've seen success doing that, then you don't need to batch. And you could and all you need to do is segment out 10 minutes of your time, film it all on TikTok directly and just edit it within the within the platform. I, for for creators like myself, I can't do that. You know, I need to like screen record and then video edit and, and splice everything and put in the, the, the captions and, and all this other stuff. But um, I think if you can go into it looking at how do I make my content low lift, low, not low effort, but easier to get done. Um, and instead of batch editing, even just doing like one video every other day, that's like takes 20, 30 minutes and focusing on consistency being a long-term instead of like short-term, I need to post every single day for two months versus I'd rather post two, three times a week for a year, then I think it's it's all about the perspective of how you look at the content. Yeah. And, and that's, that's completely different for every creator. You just kind of got to, mm-hmm. I like the, the the phrase low lift <laughs> and it's just making me like think I just signed up for CapCut Premium because yeah. I don't want to have to upload to Google Drive and then download from Google Drive to then my computer and then import into mm-hmm. CapCut if I want to edit on my PC versus, you know, I record in CapCut upload yeah. straight to CapCut on my PC and I've just saved myself all this time. And sometimes my videos don't bloody upload on yeah. my Google Drive on my phone or it takes forever. And I'm like, just oh, waste I'm walking time. around the house going, Where's, I could be, I need this instantaneous. So that's a little hack that I have just like paying like sort of 12 bucks a month is just, just a bit more the direct stream. is crazy. The ad, like if, if you didn't have to do admin work to get stuff done, people would be making content so much more. And I think people would do a lot of different a lot of different things in their lives if they didn't have to do the basic busy work that they have to do to get things done. Yeah. I wanted to ask you sort of, did you ever monetize your, your TikTok? Did you have a, were you trying to monetize it at all? Was that ever the goal when you sort of saw that success, you know, Mm -hmm. very rapidly? Yeah. You know, originally it it wasn't really my, my thought. I just like was in the moment. I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. I blew up on TikTok. It became like Mm -hmm. a big thing for me. And the nicest part about it wasn't the opportunity to monetize, but to really gain trust with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, at TikTok, you know, th- there aren't a lot of people who are creators. I think during my time there, I knew maybe two or three people that had bigger followings than me in the whole company. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, it was just like, hey, I-, I built this really great thing. I've seen success. Let me use that as a way to build trust with my clients and then potentially look at other things. You know, the monetization piece of it, is is really interesting because I feel like most people don't really think about that until they've actually become successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've monetized a little bit. I, I think where I'm at right now in my life, I've really been focusing on my business. But yeah. as the holidays kind of come up and things slow down and people aren't trying to have conversations, I might go all in for the next month and just focus on Excel Daddy, build a ton of content and just start making some documents and templates to actually sell. Um, you know, I, I think where I kind of sit, the monetization strategy is pretty simple. You know, it's Excel content. It's all education. <clears throat> build some different, build some templates in Excel that are unique, that provide value. Um, I, I've thought about making a course, to be honest. I feel like most of the courses on Excel are, are pretty boring, um, mm. very overpriced. If I was going to do it, I would want to do it with very high video editing, like very, very, very high quality. And I'm not really in a position where I can take three to four weeks to just kind of do it um, mm. and go into a studio and film. But but absolutely, I, I look at it more as like a long term. I think when you're when I was building this out, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I started reading more about it. You know, 
Obviously, brand partnerships I thought would have been amazing, but I'm like not even like in a niche. I'm in a super niche, you know, mm. where mo all, most, if not almost all of my content is about Microsoft Excel and Microsoft isn't going to pay me for that. They know that I can just do, I do the content for, you know, for me, for free, for them, they get awareness. Um, but I think, I think when I first started out, if I had a few templates that I already knew I wanted to do, and I already, you know, before I really saw the success of Excel Daddy, I probably would have been able to monetize it more. But yeah, I definitely think a lot about the monetization strategy. I, I know exactly how I want to implement it. It's just can and will I put in the time to do it, you know? Yeah. Did you, so when you put out the, the first 70 videos, mm -hmm. did you analyze your data? Or did you just pump out 70 videos and then look at the stuff later? What was the strategy there? How did you know mm -hmm. what, when to double down on what was working for you? Yeah. Can you walk us through that? Because I'm super curious about the decision behind, do I just make 70 videos, upload them, and then come back and look at it all later? Or do I create 70 videos mm -hmm. as I review what's working? Yeah. So, so I did a lot of research on, on the platform before I even started posting and I'll take a step back. Like that's why I decided to start Excel daddy. Mm. For me, it was, I was known as the Excel guy at TikTok. I had one or two friends send me videos and they're like, Jacob, is this you? And I was like, <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. I had another TikTok account where I was posting like anime memes and stuff, which got like 11,000 yeah. followers. And I'm like, cool. But like now I actually need to do something, something real on TikTok, which was Excel daddy. And, you know, I did a lot of research. I saw there were about 50 accounts teaching Microsoft Excel. Half of them were not in English. Of the half that were in English, 25, you know, half of those, about 10 to 12, were posting consistently. Every single one had 100,000 followers, every single one. And I'm like, it would be foolish for me not to do this. It felt like a, like, like 2017 Bitcoin moment. I was, you know, graduating college. A lot of my friends were talking about Bitcoin. They invested. I didn't. And it felt like, you know, another moment like that. But for me, when I originally put out content, I wasn't thinking about it like that. I was just like, let's get content out. Let's see what works. I created this character that was a little flirtatious. I, I called people dumb. I said, hey, you, like, you don't know what you're doing at work, like, but in like a more sassy and sarcastic tone. And keep in mind, I never showed my face. Like It was the green screen, the eyes and the mouth filter. And my whole thought was, Let's just get content. Like I've never done this before. I never did any content. Like I watched a ton of TV. I watched a ton of TikToks, but I never posted. And I was always nervous about it. I was always nervous about showing my face. And, you know, obviously the judgment that comes along with social media, which is why I hid behind the character. <clears throat> but what I realized was after one or two videos started getting success, my first video got 50,000 views. I said, I just need to put out content. I need to see what happens. So <clears throat> I made two videos a day for about a month. I put it out. I wasn't analyzing the data at first. At first, I was just getting a feel for the platform. How do I make content? How do I record my screen? Like, what are the best kinds of video editing styles for me to do? Do I even need to edit my video, right? To me, that was a big piece of it. Before I even understood the data, it was how do you make content? And how do you make content that works, right? And you can kind of get a feel before you even analyze the data, what's doing well, what's not doing well some of the hooks, some of the content and the body of the content. But a lot of what I did was research other platforms, other creators. I was like, okay, well, if this one piece of content, which I thought was mediocre, did really well, got you know a million views, maybe I can make a, very, a, a similar video, not the same, put my twist on it, 
educate people on that similar topic, but in my own way, right? And I saw tremendous success. What I really started to do is after those 70 videos, kind of like what you asked me before, Jake, like went along that path that I analyzed. After I put out all the content, I, I took a deep dive. I said, okay, well, and this was before TikTok started giving a ton of information. Mm -hmm. They give a lot more now. When I first started in 2021, they gave like a little bit, you know, not even how many followers you got from the content, but the watch time, the, the average watch time, engagement, engagement, you know, like, like, like shares, comments, saves, you know, what, per, like where in the world or the country that people were actually viewing the content from. It was very like minimal data. So it was difficult. But you know, what I did was I kind of sat down, I went through all my videos. I said, okay, let's look at the top 15 performing videos. Okay, what did the what did that look like, right? Where were people watching along that timeline? When did they drop off? When did they, you know, like my biggest problem is you don't get to really see all the data. Like what I would love to see is where along the video and the life cycle of that piece of content is somebody liking it? Is somebody commenting on it? Did I say something a little weird in like sentence in, in like second six or sent or second fifteen where somebody's like, oh, Okay, I'm calling I'm calling Excel Daddy out for that. Unfortunately, you don't have the data to really piece all of that information together. But my thought is you can kind of extrapolate on a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Look at it holistically. Check out your top 15 best performing, your top, your lowest 15 worst performing. Why did those succeed? Why did those not from a creative standpoint? And then you can use the data to back up why that worked. You are gonna have to, you know estimate it a little bit. And it's, it is an art and a science, you know, use data, but you also need to understand it from your own perspective and the perspective of the people that are watching your content. Um, so it, it's not as easy as just looking at data, but I think as you kind of grow <clears throat> and as you put out more content, the thing that I think is the best is make 10, 15, 20 videos all in a similar style. It doesn't need to be the exact same topic. It doesn't need to be the exact same hook. Mm -hmm. But keep it so that way you can A-B test your content, right? Let's say I have a similar background, similar lighting, you know, not the same hook, but a similar hook. Put it out there 10, 15 times. Okay, well, so on three of these videos, they did really well, but the other 12 of them didn't. Okay, so it wasn't the hook. What else was in there? Okay, well, people stayed. The hook wasn't great, but the body of the content was really good. The video editing was really good here versus the other piece of content. How do I now leverage those insights? Lean into what you're doing that's already finding success. Lean out of what's not finding success. And you use data as more of an estimate, not necessarily a guarantee, because you don't have, like I said before, the true information and the true data. You just have to you know, take a guess and, and, and experiment. That was one thing I did when I really... So once I saw the success of all those followers come through, I was like, okay, I actually need to double down on the content that's working. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was more of the the body of the content. I was like... How yeah. can I make this relatable and engage the person? And it was like, the, I still think the content I saw the best because uh, for, for the creators and those who don't know, as well as yourself, like I talked a lot about self-help, my mm -hmm. personal experience, things that I'd gone through in my life with anxiety, self-esteem, relationships, things like getting ghosted and all these things. So I, when I made the content and it was something that you said there was, I, I put myself in the shoes of the person that I was trying to speak to. Mm -hmm. So that they, I would understand how, what, what they would relate to and what I had experienced and, and tried to put that information or the, the video together in, in that way. Yeah. And I found that that kind of content where I really thought about the person I was trying to engage 
and where they might be in in their life, how I could deliver the the information I wanted to in the video mm-hmm. to them in a way that was relatable and it touched on sort of I guess in my instance their pain points because that's what I was trying yeah. to resonate with and get them to come. And it was the videos where I was talking about like um, you got ghosted, uh, how, you know. And certain situations around. You would have hooked dating. me on that, by the way. You would have hooked me yeah, on the ghosted yeah. thing. Yeah, I've had, I've had, everyone should have been ghosted at least once or twice in their life. But like ghosted on Tinder, all these dating apps, mm-hmm. um, like just talking about that, that kind of stuff. But it was like that was really resonating, and so I yeah. sort of leaned into that, and I leaned into things like anxiety, self confidence, and then there were things I'd talk about, like I. I like business. I was a business owner. I wanted to talk a little bit about that myself. Every time mm-hmm. I went to talk about that or deliver that content, I'd have to lean back out because that's nobody was really resonating with me and that. So I didn't I didn't test enough content in that in that space, but I already had yeah. enough data um from my first thirty thousand followers with all the views and the engagement I was getting that people <laughs> were resonating with my content in that space. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I really spoke about for the longest period of time until I, I kind of burnt out. Yeah. And I started pivoting in my life. And then I was like, oh, I don't know what to talk about now because I was like in that weird transition. But that for that period of time, I was able to lean into that stuff. Because but I, I have got to say, I, I feel like the, the, the weird transition, like I, I'm currently going through it. I feel like so many people go, and especially when you're in your mid, late 20s, early 30s, like that is such a crazy time in your life where, you know, like yep. I have friends getting married or who are already married and looking to have kids. Like I'm mm. totally single, you know? Yep. So it's like, people are moving at very different paces. Like, you know, I'm building my business, you're doing your content. Like it's, it's such a weird time for so many people. And I think the biggest thing about the content stuff, and, and I, I know we talked about this before, the way, the way I look at it, it's, it's really two things. How are you providing value, right? Mm-hmm. Is it informational, educational, entertaining? Like what is coming across that somebody feels like I learned something? Right. And I think anybody can do that. I've literally spoken to Uber drivers who, you know, are from other who like I had an Uber driver in Miami who was from, you know, Cuba and he barely spoke English. But I said to him, listen, like there's a huge Hispanic market in America. There's a huge Hispanic market, Spanish speaking market in the world. You he said he was a PE teacher. He knew physical education, physical fitness. I said, listen, you can make really great content. And even if you obviously, you know, this skill set to a certain degree, but even if you knew something where it was like you knew 10 percent of this content, right? To everybody else who knows more than you, you might seem like a fool, but to anybody who knows less than you, you seem like an expert. And I'm not saying that like to go out there and trick people into thinking you know what you're talking about. But what I'm thinking is more like if I if I if I'm if I like to cook and I'm a home cook and you know I have a friend who doesn't know anything and I teach them how to boil pasta, like they're amazed. They're like, oh, you just taught me how to boil pasta. This is great. And now you can learn the next thing. So to me, it's, I think anybody can really make content that provides that value. But the other thing is that relevancy and that relatability, you know, not just relevancy is like what's going on in the macroeconomic space, what's going on in the world, but, you know, relevant to your life, like we were talking about before, the perspective of the person watching the content and how do you relate, you know? So even with some of the stuff that you were talking about with your business, like if you're talking about it from, you know, two different perspectives, like if you're talking about it, like, okay, I had this, I had this day, you know, this is what we did. I'm a business owner, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you might just be going to people who own businesses. Right. But if you're framing it more as like a, you know, almost like a corporate thing, like, you know, I left the corporate space to go out and do this, you know, do this, do this job on my own. Like here's, here's the scary thing about doing that. Or here's, you know, here's why I'm really glad I left the corporate space. Because if you look at it, the applicability is so high, 
right? Mm -hmm. With Excel, and I'm using my own example, everybody who works a corporate job, no matter what you do, you could be in sales, marketing, finance, you use Excel to some degree. So to me, it's, you know, how do you make things applicable to the person that you're trying to reach? But how do you broaden the scope of what that looks like? And I think your business content, I think would do really well, especially because you already found success in the way that you deliver content. It's just a matter of framing it in the right way. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. And, and I, I'm hearing you because I, I know, I know, it, I know what you're saying. And I'm like, I just wasn't in that time where I was like going to double down of on course. that sort of content. But one thing that's very fascinating, and I learned this concept uh, recently is there's sort of three different sort of pillars of content creators. And mm -hmm. if you're afraid of uh, putting out content, you're not because people will call you out if you're not a professional and you're trying to act better than everyone, like you know more. There's three ways you can come at it. You can act, you can be the professional who's done all the research and you can talk about it from the professional yeah. perspective. You can talk about uh, something, any topic that you want from a day in your life perspective, you know, just showing vlogging sort of style, like this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm trying to work through this um, anxiety. I'm going on a date later. I'm very nervous. Or you could go from the how to in the trenches type thing. This is what I'm working on. This is what I've learned as I'm going through this. You know, you might want to apply this to your life too. So there's like sort of three avenues of well, ways you can present yourself with the, the content. Uh, and if you're a creative, that's something you consider. I think I've touched on this a couple of times in a few podcasts that actually haven't come out yet, but you'll probably hear me repeat myself a few times there. <laughs> what actually, this is the last question I had and sure. I've completely said, we, we probably should have asked this way earlier in terms of your content strategy yeah. but because you were working at tiktok was tiktok the first platform you were just like yeah i have to be on tiktok or did you consider youtube did you consider podcasting did you consider instagram or how yeah. did you make that decision on what platform you wanted to be on yeah it's so it's really hard to to figure out what you're going to do um just generally it's in incredibly overwhelming you know there are People looking at maybe like four, I think like three major, you know, social media platforms, right? I guess TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. But when you look at that secondary or tertiary level, there are five, 10 more apps, right? Are you going to be on X? Are you going to be on Snapchat? Are you going to be doing, you know, Reddit? Are you, are you going on Tumblr? Like it, there's so many platforms to be on. Um, and I think to me, it was like, I work for TikTok. I know the platform. I know the ad products. Let me just go on this. And I think the biggest thing for me was the acceleration of growth, right? And, you know, I think the, at the core, and I know we chat about this before, like, you know, I grew up with Instagram, like that was my platform. Like I was in high school from 20, 2009 to 2013. And like, that's kind of when Instagram was coming out. Like I was, you know, in college from 2014 to 2017. And that's when Instagram really took off. And it made me feel horrible, you know, like I, I would go on Instagram and I'd see all these very attractive people holding up like a Red Bull and an iPhone. And I'm like, cool, cool products, whatever. But they'd be talking about their perfect lives and traveling all over the world. And it just didn't make me feel good. Mm -hmm. And to me, I always hated social media. It was the bane of my existence. I was shocked I ever went into social media. I went into TikTok thinking it was an entertainment media platform, not social mm -hmm. media. Yeah. And, you know, from my perspective, TikTok felt like it was a place that you could be a little bit more like yourself. I think all these platforms change. They're moving more into a social media platform. And I'll get back to the, your actual main question. It's like, to me, I think it all depends on, on where you feel comfortable putting out content and what your goal is. 
my goal was, my goal was growth. I, I wanted to get on TikTok. I put out one video and it got 50,000 views. I didn't even think about going to Instagram or YouTube or anywhere else. I was just like, let's get it done on TikTok. Let's build. The hardest part about that is, you know, looking back on it, the monetization opportunity. I think where you really monetize is with YouTube. If you want to make money from the platform, you go to YouTube. If you want to make the most money from brands, I think you go to Instagram. If you want to build the fastest, I think you go to TikTok. All these platforms are changing never endingly. But, you know, at the end of the day, TikTok is not based off of a follower graph. It's based off of a content graph. Mm. You can have a million followers and get 5,000 views on a video. But if you go to Instagram, trust me, if you have a million followers, you're not getting 5,000 views on a, on a reel. So, you know, to me, I still think the best opportunity for growth is TikTok. I, what I do with my company is TikTok first. As YouTube and Instagram have created reels and shorts, you know, everybody is moving towards short form. TikTok is moving towards longer form content. I, I was just interviewed for, um, for that with somebody at The Information. She, you know, this woman, Kaya Uriev, wrote a great article. Um, but I think for me, if you're going to build on social media, go with TikTok. Repurpose your content onto Instagram, onto YouTube shorts, on other platforms. But don't overwhelm yourself. It, we talked about it before, Jake. Like the being a creator is incredibly, incredibly stressful. Mm. There's so much that you have to do just from an admin perspective. And if you want to even setting up a business, if you're going to set up a business like an LLC, I think it's super easy to overcomplicate it. But my favorite, my one of my dad's favorite quotes that he's always said to me is, "It's not even a quote. It's just a, it's just a sentence, right? It's, it's kiss. Keep it simple, stupid." Just do one thing, put it out there, see what works. Try it on different platforms as you grow. But to go in and think you're going to grow on five, 10 platforms all at the same speed, all with the same kind of consistency would be foolish. So mm. that's my take. I was going to ask you, what do you think creators should focus on going forward after listening to the show? But you actually just beat me to it. And you've done <laughs> that a couple of times today where I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask him this question. And then you would just lead into that naturally. I'm like, there goes my question. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm an easy podcast no, person. No, it's so easy. You make my job so much easier. Jacob, thank you so much for sharing your insights into monetization, your how you built your platform, the where you're heading as a sort of a creator and your, what you're doing as a consultant. It's been super fun to have this conversation with you. And again, thank you to the creators and anyone else listening to the podcast on all things of brand monetization, building your TikTok what you can do to build your brand the insights jacob has provided it's been a really fun conversation yeah thank you very much jacob awesome i really appreciate it jake really appreciate the time yep thanks for tuning in to the creator landscape the podcast by creator land don't forget to join creator land today and connect with like-minded professionals and creators in the creator economy